This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Hey listeners, I'm Vanessa, the host of the Unseminary Podcast, where we talk about the stuff you wish they taught in seminary. I'm joined by the founder of Unseminary, Rich Birch. Hey Rich, how are ya? I'm doing great, and it really is all about me, so uh, that's that's good. It's a little bit narcissistic <laughs> of you, isn't it? <laughs> nice. Yeah, excited for today's article. Uh, you know, like we were talking beforehand, you're like, whoa, this is a, a little bit different, a different kind of Coming post from the heart. than we normally have. Yeah, it's a little more about the interior life of a leader. It's called Five Signs You're Following a Narcissistic Church Leader. Um, I'm hoping that today's conversation is a bit sober, um, you know, because frankly, I, I think this is an area that we need to be sober about it. We need mm. to think about, and I think a lot of us um, in churches, I think may be struggling with leaders that we're following that we need to think clearly about, you know, they may be doing things that are not just, oh, that's just who they are. They may actually be exhibiting um, a personality disorder that, that really they should get looked at. I think if, if anything that we say today rings true for you, there's help in this. Like Absolutely. hold, hold through the whole thing. Like just if yep. you can do your very best just to fight through that uncomfortableness that you're going to feel, there is hope. And and we'll point you that to that direction. Absolutely. And this is whether because I know when I when I was writing this, um, because we're what we're gonna get into is like here's some stuff that people who struggle with the narcissistic personality disorder, here's some stuff that they do. Um, and I know for me, every one of these, as I was writing it, I was like, do I do this? Is this me? Like, is this, is this who I am? And so, uh, you know, and I think that's okay. I actually think that's a part of what, you know, it's okay to be self-reflective. It's okay to think like, maybe there's a way for us to think. Yeah, exactly. And so, but stick with us, like you say, stick to the end and we'll go from there. That I was doing some research a, a little while ago and found this actually fairly shocking study from the American Association of Christian Counselors. I linked to it in the article that found that 31.2% of all active ordained pastors are on the diagnosable range for narcissistic personality disorder. That means that they are clinically diagnosed as, or could be clinically diagnosed as a narcissist. And so what is narcissism? That's really what we're going to pull apart today. Um, and, you know, and, and you know, there's this, you know, real issue. I think that we've got to talk about, we've got to be, um, you know, really honest about oftentimes when, you know, over the last, I would say five or six years, as we've seen church leaders fall apart for one reason or another, their ministry explodes. Personally, I think a part of it comes back to this whole narcissism thing. They, they, they actually are narcissists and, um, they're unable to see how their behavior impacts other people. And, and so what I'm hoping today is if you're listening in, I'm really speaking to the person who's maybe following someone who might be a narcissist that you can identify. Maybe there's, you know, something here for you, uh, so that then maybe you could help that person get some help and, and for you, uh, as a leader to say, Hey, maybe I need to do something different. So that's, that's really what we're talking about today. And something that I was thinking about while you were talking there is if, if you have that self-reflection, which I think is very healthy to say, hey, is this something that people see in me? I think if you have a mentor that you can talk to and say, hey, do you notice these qualities? Somebody that you can trust, that's like a confidant that you can go to. I think that's also healthy to say, hey, do you recognize these behaviors within me? Yeah, I love Jeff Henderson. Um, He has that question that every time I hear him say it, I know it's coming and I'm like, oh, it's um, it's a tough one. He, yeah, he will go to his people and ask the question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? You know, what, how, how am I being 
received. Mm. And, and so you could even use this article in that conversation as a starting point. Like, Hey, you know, I read this article, you could download the PDF for free. We don't even have to, you don't even ask you for your email address (laughs) and, you know, send it to a couple of people and say, you know, I was reading this and there were a few of these that kind of touched a little bit. And I'm wondering, you know, what, what do you see in me? Do you see this as, you know, something that I, I might struggle with. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's what we're talking about today. Super healthy. All right. So let's dive into it. They're quick to criticize others, but don't see anything they do as wrong. Yeah. So the, the, the piece here is the combo of both. It's, it's, they um, are very quick. They look around and, and can just tear things apart. And, and this is okay. Actually, I, this is actually, I think a part of leadership, a part of being a leader is you're trying to move people to a more desirable future. And so a part of what we do is our job is to be discontented. Our job is actually to, uh, to see things like not how they are, but how we want them to be. But where it can slip into narcissism is they don't see anything that they do as as wrong. They don't have any, you know, they never come back to, maybe there's a piece of this that I need to fix. Uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Catlin or Caitlin uh, Boroshenko, uh, there's a quote in here. I did some reading of hers. She said, and I think it, she puts it really, you know, aptly. She says, a narcissist won't, uh, a dark narcissist won't accept even the smallest piece of criticism. Any inkling that they're less than perfect, perfect will drive them over the edge. If your leader can't take criticism, even the smallest kind, you need to be very wary of that. You need to be very concerned about where this could potentially lead. And so um, this one really on the narcissistic personality disorder kind of, you know, diagnostic tools, this really is the big red one. This is the one like, oh, this, if you see this behavior, man, this could be a real problem. Um, and so again, be looking for that behavior. Maybe, you know, you're in kids ministry and, you know, your senior pastor has got a million ways to talk about, uh, you know, all the things you need to be doing differently, but you know, you can't, they're not, they don't not open at all to ever talk about what's going on in their world. So are they quick to criticize others, but don't see anything that they do, uh, as wrong. I think it's okay to also want like to battle against mediocrity, to, to want something that's better than what it currently is, but exactly like where it comes in is if that can't be reciprocated and if they can't look within and say, oh, maybe the, maybe what needs to change is within me, but I am not willing to accept that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I um, within the last couple of years was interacting with a leader who I'm pretty sure, you know, in hindsight struggles with narcissism. And, you know, the part that I found, you know, super disturbing was this person was very quick to um, like line up, here's a bunch of problems, but then took zero responsibility for things, even when it was in their area. And, and, you know, I would come back to this time and again, leaders take responsibility. So actually I think the healthy response is to say, yeah, here are 10 things in our church that we need to fix. And here's the way that I'm creating the culture that has made it so that we're, we're, we're working this way. And so, um, you know, a part of my job as a leader is just is to see what are the things I'm doing that's contributing to these problems. And so if, if you have a leader that's not doing that, if they're not taking responsibility for their piece of the puzzle, uh, that could be a problem that could be indicating, you know, something bigger. Absolutely. Well, and they also hate talking about their emotions. <laughs> yeah. So this is the second point. Uh, in Dr. Craig Malkin's book, Rethinking Narcissism, he explores this whole idea in a really profound way where basically, which I thought this was interesting, this idea that narcissists, um, they actually cannot stand 
any emotion being expressed around them. And the reason why that is, is because if if they see emotion, what it does, it's unsettling for them because the concept of emotion expresses a narcissist um, really sense of perfect an, uh, autonomy. So narcissists at their core think that there's the whole world and then there's them. But when they see emotions being expressed, and it's not even necessarily emotions because of something they've done, it's just emotions in general, uh, they become very upset by that, that it's very dis, you know, disconcerting internally. They can't deal with it because it says like, oh, something might happen that will impact me. And that, um, you know, that really challenges them, this idea that they're kind of an island unto themselves. So sometimes, emo- sometimes people think narcissists are like emotionally dead. Like they, um, you know, that they're like, they're cut off that they're, um, that they, they really are shut down, but it's actually more profound than that. It's actually that they can't stand emotions at all. Um, they, they really are wary of someone who's so disconnected that they become angry or upset when emotions are expressed around them. And, you know, this could show itself in a church leader in that they're like, they don't ever want to, uh, even let's say they're like a lead pastor. They don't ever want the service to go there emotionally. You know, they're not the kind of person who like wants to, they're like, they get upset or they could become like, maybe they get detested. They detest us showing, you know, p- personal testimony videos because they're like, you know what? That's just like too much. People can't deal with, they don't want to hear about people's emotions. Uh, so I, again, I would be thinking about that. If there's someone in your world who you know, they seem to become upset by emotions. They seem to become upset when other people express emotions. That could be a sign uh, that the person you're interacting with here is uh, is a narcissist. And I think that, you know, when you're showing an emotion that creates authenticity into what you're talking about. Sure. I, I don't know about you, but when our lead pastor speaks and he gets emotional, I, I instantly get emotional. Uh, maybe yeah, it's just yes. because I'm a woman, but, but I know that's because that's the appropriate response that you're, you're empathizing. You're like, you're not self-centered. Yeah. And, and that that's actually, let's just pull that apart for a second. What's going on. So let's say, I'm assuming you're talking about Jeff. Yeah. Let's assume that, you know, when Jeff is expressing emotion about something, let's say he, he tears up at something. What's going on inside of you at that moment? Well, first I, instantly dislike him because I don't want to sob like a baby during church. <laughs> so I tell him that frequently that when he cries, I cry every time. But um, it's the, and, and I've said this to him, that it's the, the passion that he has for what he's talking about makes it so much more powerful because he's not afraid to hide it. He's not afraid to hide his passion. He's not afraid to hide his the rawness of what he's feeling, but it makes it so powerful. And you just like, you want to bottle that up and then share it with everybody. Does that make sense? Right. Absolutely. It's so it's this idea. Arti- yeah. It's hard to articulate. No, no. It's absolutely. It's this idea that you're, you know, you're identifying something's happened to him and you're, you know, you're a part of that. And it's yes. like, Hey, uh, you know, and that's, there's something powerful going on there. So totally. again, what uh, someone who's a narcissist at that moment, they would become, uh, it's not just the like, oh, come on, don't do that. It's the like, oh, I'm angry. Yeah, I, I want to distance myself. I don't want people around me who express emotions. It's 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 the classic. Um, you know, we see this in movies all the time. The the kind of when when a, a 
storyteller wants to portray the most evil of person, uh, they will show that kind of like incredible stoicness in the face of emotional things, right? It's the, it's the like narcissistic boyfriend who like when he's about to go and hug his girlfriend, we see him when he, when she can see him, he's got this kind of nice smile on, but then as soon as she doesn't see him anymore, he comes around, his face just drops dead. Um, and that's like, because what, what that's indicating to us, it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't actually, he doesn't even want this emotion. He doesn't want to feel this at all. Uh, and we see that and we're like, oh, that's like super evil, <laughs> like because he's just manipulating her. He's just doing totally. something to try to, you know, get her closer to him, that kind of thing. So uh, it's that activity is, um, you know, is a problem. Absolutely. Well, the next point actually really surprised me. They have a potty mouth. Okay. So this, again, I found this is comes up repeatedly in the research. Really? And I, when I was looking at, I wasn't looking at Christian research. This was just... <laughs> Um, you know, kind of what people are saying about, uh, you know, about leaders who are exhibiting, um, you know, narcissism. And and I, I link to some research here if you want to check it out. There's some stuff here um, from Psychology Today that is pulling apart how do you spot a narcissistic supervisor. And one of the things, the two things, I'm really talking about two things in this this particular one. Uh, that there is an issue particularly around, you know, the leader who's constantly dropping an F-bomb or dropping, you know, inappropriate language um, because why they're doing that, they know that that is a power language that will move people towards them. Uh, when you, you know, when you say like, oh, this is effing wrong or like this is, you know, this is what you're doing is a piece of ass. Um, what that's doing is actually manipulating the people around you. It's actually coercing them to your, um, you know, it's an over revving. It's a power move. And closely associated with that is actually this idea of physical dominance. So, um, you know, um, you know, potty mouth language is verbal dominance. You're trying to dominate someone else with your language, but then closely associated with it is this idea of physical dominance. So whether this is like the person, and again, you can find this stereotype pretty quickly. It's the person who is pounding the desk at a meeting, you know, or pounding the table, the boardroom table at a meeting and using the F-bomb and saying, we need to do this. We need to make this happen. Um, you know, the idea of loud and exaggerated hand movements, loud talking, all of that together kind of bundled together uh, is a potential sign or is one of the signs of someone who may be struggling with narcissism. Um, and, and because what you're trying to do is you're trying to overuse your power to um, to shut p- other people down. Now, the interesting thing I think in the church world is this is even more the case in our culture. You know, we shouldn't be using harsh language. That That is... Um, you know, that's just inappropriate. That's not what, what, you know, what we should be doing as, as people who are trying to consider whatever is perfect and good and right. Uh, and, but there are times, and again, I've been in environments where, you know, church leaders will use, you know, will use harsh language to try to get their point across. And even if it is about something of a noble end, using harsh language is just inappropriate. So, you know, if it's like, we don't care what the effing on church people think, like <laughs> you don't, you don't need to have effing in that sentence. You just don't, yeah. it, it isn't, it's inappropriate. Um, so I, I would encourage you to think clearly about that. Um, I think sometimes we let this slide because we're like, well, he's just really passionate about what we're doing. He's just really, um, you know, ramped up about or is a, you know, has a, is a really holy. And so it gets pissed off when things 
don't go his way or don't, you know, we don't serve God in the way we should. Uh, you know, using a potty mouth, having a potty mouth consistently, it could be a sign. Again, there's links in the article that talk more about that. Do you think that that is something that is subconscious or conscious when they're doing it? Yeah, so I think that's a that's a very good question, very astute question from <laughs> dear you. Vanessa. Thank you. Uh, so I often I think wonder this though. Like I wonder, I, I often ask this question though to my husband. Like, do you think that somebody is doing this consciously or subconsciously? Because you just don't know. Yeah, so it can be either way. I I do think that there are times where um, narcissists will. Uh, consciously know they are consciously trying to to navigate the situation. They're trying consciously trying yeah. to kind of control the room in a way, um, and they know that that language will frankly shut people down. For sure, you know they know that using that language, it, it's kind of like the we're not talking about this anymore. I'm I'm I've now dominated you. Your job is to just simply shut up and do what I say. Yeah, um, okay. and I'm going to you know use use this language to do that. And so I think you know. Um, this narcissistic you know, people who suffer with narcissistic per, narcissistic personality disorder, uh, some of it can be subconscious, right? It can be like they're, you know, they're, um, uh, you know, they're just that's just the way they are, and they're not, you know, they're unaware of it. Uh, but I think there's a lot of people out there that know exactly what's going on. For sure. So again, if you've got a leader who's who's using that kind of language consistently, there may be a problem there. And then I would say for you, if you're struggling with that, this is an area to say, hey, I don't want to be perceived as a narcissist, and so I need to, uh, you know, watch my language. I need to find a way uh, to not be like that. Absolutely. Well, they can also take credit for your ideas. That's the next point we're going to talk about. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe you might be working with a you know a person, and you know consistently you're you're pitching them ideas or pitching him ideas, and um, you know oftentimes they'll take he'll take your ideas and take credit for it. Now um, this is is really frustrating. <laughs> you know, if you've ever had this happen, uh, you know the leader who consistently. Whenever things go right, it's because of them. If things go wrong, uh, you know, then it's not their fault. It's someone else's fault. It's kind of like the, the credit only ever flows in one direction in the organization. Then you could be uh, following a narcissistic leader. Now, some of this is, is kind of structurally built uh, into the way we do the way what we do at church. Because, you know, frankly, we can't get up and say, you know, oh, we've got this big, you know, we're coming into the Christmas season. We're doing some cool stuff at our Christmas service this year. And and it really did take 10 different people to make this Christmas service go well. And we don't roll credits at the end of our services. Like it, we, we, it's, it's not really possible for us to often give credit to all the people who have been a part of making something happen. And so sometimes it's just normal that, you know, you're, no one is going to, if you're on staff at a church, get up and really talk about all the things you did to make this thing happen. So uh, it's not that that I'm talking about. You know, what I'm talking about is when you're at the, um, you know, the staff debrief and at the end of Christmas or in the early new year, talking about what goes well, what went well at Christmas, if your leader can never actually point out, wow, you know, you know, Vanessa, you came up with that great idea for the dancing candy canes at yeah, Christmas Eve. Yeah, I did. Ho ho hopefully, we're not doing dancing Christmas. I know, hope we are. <laughs> that really worked well. I thought it was a bad idea, um, you, uh, but wow, that was that was really fantastic. Um, you know, if they can't do that or they never do that, you could be dealing with a narcissist. I saw this workout 
publicly with a one of these leaders who, frankly, um, you know, who ended up their ministry blew apart. And it stuck with me. This was like 15 years ago. I was watching a service of theirs. I wasn't live in the room. And um, they had tried, uh, they had had a a country music singer come, a fairly popular country music singer come to their church. And uh, this, uh, you know, this country music singer, um, you know, it went over very well. Like people loved it. It was, a, it was a great thing. And this leader got up this, who I think maybe, you know, in hindsight was struggling with narcissism, got up in a public service and kind of shamed people who resisted this public, this country music singer said like, you know, for years I said, we should have this person. And, th- and those people said, no, we shouldn't do it. But look, when they followed my idea, it worked. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, at the time I thought, well, that's a weird thing to do. Like, why would you publicly go out of your way to take credit for something? Um, and then, you know, what I had heard through back channels was it wasn't even their idea anyways. Uh, (laughs) it was actually somebody else who was like, we should, we should get this to be there. So again, if someone is taking credit for your ideas all the time, they can't ever uh, point out, wow, this person did a great job. You might be dealing with uh, a narcissist. All right. Well, let's talk about he or she is young. Okay. So they're not a she. (laughs) That's the point in this whole passage. Uh, (laughs) Here I am trying to be politically correct, Rich. Well, you know what? It's funny. I've been stumbling this whole article because – I often my natural reflex is to try to talk about he she leaders. My my natural le- reflex is to because I that's what I believe. Like I fundamentally believe we want our church is a better place when they're led by both men and women. But actually the studies show that young male leaders are tend to struggle with narcissism more than females. And so if you're if you're all of these things and you're following a male leader, uh, there is, and particularly a young male leader, there's a higher chance that you're actually following a narcissist. So there's a study in here. If you don't believe me, look at the study by this Frederick Stinson. They did 34,653 wow. face-to-face interviews, and they found that particularly young men struggle with narcissism at a much higher rate than women. So um, in this, uh, you know, I, I think this is an important piece of the puzzle for us to think about because uh, I think there are times, particularly within the church, where and there are still churches. Hard to believe there are still churches out there that will limit women's responsibility to lead. There are there are churches out there who, you know, for one reason or another, have. Um, you know, are still finding uh, twisting scripture to come to the point where they think like, oh no, like women can't can't lead. And my challenge for those churches would be to look very carefully at the at the leaders that are saying that, that are holding on to that viewpoint, and and can't frankly um, let let anyone have a contrary point of view. Uh, around that particular issue, because in, it might not actually be their view of scripture that's driving their belief. It might actually be narcissism that uh, that the reason why they're holding on to their view about scripture in such a vehement way isn't because they're saying, you know what, this is actually just the way we read scripture. It's it's actually the only way to read scripture. Uh, they might actually be uh, exhibiting narcissistic behavior in that, and so. I think there's there's a bit of a Gordian knot in this this point that the two things I want to point out is yes if you're following a guy a guy who is exhibiting all of these things uh, there's a higher chance that they're a narcissist than um, if it's a female and so and then on top of that I think actually ironically it might be narcissism that is 
um, driving so many church leaders to view scripture in a way that not just that they believe that men should only lead, but that they become angry, they become upset, they become driven, they they shut down conversation when uh, someone would challenge that particular viewpoint because it challenges them. It, 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 it Because what it does, and I, I don't want to get too passionate here, but what it does is um, by by holding on to this idea that women that men can only lead that women should not lead in a church that what it does for a narcissist the good thing about that is it cuts out fifty percent of the world who are going to challenge them for sure uh, and then all they have to do is worry about other guys um, so again I'm I'm um, I'm okay with leaders who hold that viewpoint. I, I I don't hold that viewpoint, but I'm okay with leaders who hold that viewpoint, who are also able to say, you know what, there are other ways to read the New Testament in such a way that we come up with like a logical conclusion that women should be able to lead and women should be able to teach. And and to me, that's an okay point of view in the same way that like, I'm okay if you've read scripture and can and come to the conclusion that yes, that's what you believe. But where, to, where it crosses over to me is when you can't um, even acknowledge that folks that hold a contrary point of view on that issue uh, are somehow not Jesus loving, are somehow not uh, scriptural. They're somehow people who don't love the Bible. To me, that's where you cr- it crosses over. So, um, I probably have preached too much. No, uh, he's young. Uh, you know, if you have, if there's a leader in your midst who uh, is a guy who's exhibiting all these things, uh, you want to look really carefully, uh, look a little more suspiciously at them because that's what the studies say around narcissistic uh, personality disorder. Well, then we had mentioned at the beginning that um, we we don't want to just drop this bomb on you. We we also want to try and help. And so, Rich, you've done a really great job about some next steps if you think you're following a narcissist. Okay, so again, uh, two things: counseling, Christian counseling, is a very good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, you know, it has been been life giving for me. It's been life giving for my wife. It's been life giving for our marriage. It's been life giving for the leaders I've been a part of. You know, like Kerry Newhoff, who love deeply. You know, he's talked really pop. You know, kind of publicly about his only jur- his own journey with counseling. You know, Tim Lucas, who you know was you know at. Uh, the church I was at in New Jersey, you know, same thing. Ver- talked very openly about his journey with counseling. You know, Bruxy Cavey at the Meeting House. You know, all of those guys. Uh, none of those guys are narcissists. <laughs> you know, none of those guys are. Uh, and a part of the reason why you can tell is because they're open to change and growth and and are willing to get counseling. Sure. And so um, I, I would say if you're listening in today and you're on the side of the equation where you're wondering, you're struggling, you're thinking about yourself, I would say, you know, get some help. Um, go and talk to somebody. Uh, that's a good kind of first step. But on the other side, if you're thinking, oh, I think I might be following a narcissist, you know, get some help. Um, you know, slow down. Uh, the things I say in here is, hey, slow down. Don't overreact. You just read an article of less than 2,000 words. This is not a diagnostic tool. Um, you know, I am trying to get you to think about this question, but this is not the answer. This is the beginning of the conversation, not the end. You know, don't rush into anything. Take some time to pray, meditate. Don't overreact. Slow down, people. <laughs> uh, the next that I would say is observe your leader in different scenarios. You know, if you're if you're worried, like, am I perpetuating a narcissist? Um, you know, don't just see them at work. Try to get into their, get a chance to see what they're like in family or don't think about them. Just sometimes people act differently at work and, and, you know, we want people to be fully integrated individuals, but it's okay if they're not, <laughs> you know, sure. uh, that's a, that's an, a mature, it, it takes a while for people to actually mature into that spot where you can be a well-rounded person in every scenario you're in, you're in. you know, maybe find a way to supply some feedback to these folks, uh, 
interestingly, you know, maybe you could use this as a conversation starter with them. You know, Matthew 18 is probably the best place. If someone has sinned against you and you think they're a narcissist, if they've, and again, if you need to find Matthew 18, which hopefully if you're reading here, you, you're listening here, you don't, can't, don't have a problem finding Matthew 18. I was just thinking it's kind of weird that I linked to that in the article. Uh, but you know, that, that provides a really clear step-by-step. This is what you do if someone sinned against you. What it says there, which I think just such great advice, such healthy advice from Jesus. You start by going to that person personally and say, hey, like uh, you, when you did this thing, when you publicly took credit for what the thing that I did and, and you didn't let it go with the staff meeting and you just kept pointing fingers to yourself, uh, that hurt me. Um, seeing how they react next will give you a clear idea of whether this person is struggling with narcissism or not. Uh, Because if they, if they ramp up, if they push you away, if they continue down that road, then, you know, it gives you a good indication. Um, And then you could continue on the kind of Matthew 18 road. Um, And then realize there, this may be a time for you to leave. Um, And this is harsh. I try, you know, I don't actually think that a lot of church leaders, I really struggle with this last point. In fact, I wasn't going to put it in at all and I wasn't going to talk about it, but I I think most church leaders um, in their time, in fact, I think a lot of times we struggle with this regularly. We wake up Monday morning slightly depressed about what's going on at the church and think this is the week I'm going to hand in my resignation. We're like, yeah, I'm just not sure I can keep doing this. It's, it's, and it might be, you might be a staff pastor in a church and you're like, I'm not sure I can continue to follow this person because I think they might be a narcissist. Well, you know, don't, um, you know, don't overreact as I've said at the beginning, but also, you know, think on the other end of this, you know, this may actually be a time for you to step out. There, there might actually come to a point if you're following someone who's a narcissist where you need to find something better. There are better days. There are healthy, emotionally mature, Jesus loving Christ following leaders who are out there who would love to have you on their, on their team. And this might be the beginning of you stepping out and saying, you know what, I I need to find a different, uh, you know, something different. And so I hope that's not the case for you. Uh, but this might be the beginning of that, uh, for you. So a bit of a different article, you know, I know today, a lot of times we like to give you, Hey, here's some punchy stuff that hopefully you can help you, you know, be more effective this week. Uh, but this has been on my heart for a while and I wanted to get this out there and hopefully you receive it in with the kind of love and care that hopefully we've put into it today. Um, you know, I, I think this is an issue. I think this is the thing we've got to talk about as church leaders. And so hopefully it's been helpful for you. Today. Absolutely. And let us know if we missed anything. And I'm really interested to hear, um, how other people are perceiving this article. So certainly leave a comment below. We want to thank you so much for tuning in today. You can see the full article in our other podcast at unseminary.com.